Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. Joining me for this roundtable discussion is my sister, Kay Kellum. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. And what we're going to discuss, and this is kind of a, just a, a an impromptu one, we just watched the series finale of Justified. So we're going to talk about the series, which lasted six seasons, mm-hmm. I think 13 episodes each. It was on FX. This will be a spoiler-filled discussion, but it was a show that was based on... It was based on short stories, really, and more specifically, it's not even fair to say it was based on the short stories that Elmore Laird wrote, because it was based on the sense and the core of the character Raylan Givens. And I say that because in the stories, Raylan is probably 20 years older mm-hmm. than he is in the show. And he's got two kids and a dysfunctional life, which, don't get me wrong, he has a dysfunctional life on the show. But it's such a different sense of the character, and yet he's doing the same things Mm -hmm. that we're seeing here. Well, Timothy Oliphant plays Raylan Givens, the the U.S. Marshal, on the show. And with such an eloquent style to it and just a beautiful manner of capturing that character well and that's what i enjoy about the show is it's got plot it's got character it's certainly got action but it's got a unique sense of of style and personality and uniqueness about it Mm -hmm. there is an aspect of the railing givens character that is very predictable in a cool sense not a geez i saw that coming but he's a character that's fun to watch. He's he's an iconic style character. He's a character that has some defining attributes that, in that sense, you know what to expect from him because of those, but you don't necessarily know how things are going to play out. You know he is a quick draw with mm-hmm. his gun, but you also know he's only going to shoot when The shooting is justified. Hence the name of the series. Yeah, and back in season one, they did this great episode where he was called in to protect a judge. and Uh, Stephen Root played the judge. And the judge specifically wanted Raylan to be the marshal protecting him because Raylan, in the judge's opinion, isn't afraid to shoot people and defend him. And when it comes down to it, and the person who's been stalking the judge shows up, Raylan doesn't pull his gun. And the judge is mad at him. Yeah, I recall. And that was one of those episodes that I thought they really did such a great job of crystallizing who this character is. Well, he's got a code. He's he's an, a Western-style character. Mm-hmm. The gunslinger, the the sheriff in town, that mindset. Mm-hmm. He's not a bully. He's not, you know, fancy with the guns or anything like that. He's not there to show off. He's there to do what's needed. In that case, it just wasn't needed. He doesn't shoot just to shoot. 
He doesn't shoot the bad guy just because he's a bad guy. You have to provoke him into shooting. Mm-hmm. And I I like that he he has that line that he doesn't arbitrarily cross. And, you know, there was one scene, and I wish I could remember which season it was in, where he walked into a situation where Boyd Crowder, his nemesis, really, for the whole show, yeah. is in the bar Boyd owns. As Raylan, the U.S. Marshal, walks in, he sees Boyd, and he sees a cop, and he goes with his gut, and he shoots the cop, and then he goes, God, I hope I got that one right. That was probably second or third season. Because there were a couple of, of scenes like that. There was one where Raylan is gone out to a house. Most of this takes place in Harlan County, Kentucky. Backwater, rural, not so educated. At least in this hypothetical, you know, this this fictional version. Well, and people living off the grid on purpose. Yeah. For various reasons. I mean, these are people that are in the fringes of, of society. And I'm sure they're playing up that aspect mm-hmm. just for the 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 i don't say the comedic value but the um for the entertainment, the entertainment value. value i mean the people talk not just like a hick or an uneducated but blatantly so mm-hmm. and he's at one of these you know middle of nowhere houses a couple of people you know show up or whatever there's a gunfight going almost around him and, and he's like he didn't even draw his gun they shot each other or whatever and he's like you know i hope that went right kind of a deal mm-hmm so mm-hmm. he's he, he questions what's going on, but he's certain of himself, too. Well, and in that scene in the bar, the reason it really stands out to me is we as an audience knew the guy in the cop's uniform was an imposter. Mm-hmm. He was an assassin, as I recall, and he had put on that cop's uniform figuring nobody messes with a cop. But Raylan trusted his instincts. He knew something was wrong about the uniform in a way that it wouldn't be for an actual mm-hmm. officer or something. Yeah, I recall that. He knew the situation was wrong. And I just, there are things like that to each character, really, in the show that makes these characters such high quality, wonderful ones to watch. Well, and they they are who they are. Yes. And, and Boyd Crowder, the main bad guy, kind of the opposite number to, to Raylan in many respects, was originally slated to be... Killed off at the end of the pilot. I believe the the test screening showed he was just a w- way popular character. Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, let's keep him. And he was basically the main bad guy protagonist. It was as much his show as Raylan's show. They were two sides of the same coin of born and bred in Harlan. Mm-hmm. One went good, one went bad. Yeah, and as many times as we saw Raylan's father... Early on, or midway on, I suppose I should say. And that Raylan and his father just had this highly dysfunctional relationship. Because his dad was a petty criminal. Mm -hmm. And they were just never going to see eye to eye. You know, Boyd was the son Raylan's dad, Arlo, always wanted. And it progressed to the point that Boyd was more a son to Arlo than Raylan was. And then we got to the point where Arlo shot a cop in a hat and someone's looking at Raylan, who's alive and well, almost with this look of pity on their face. Like, do you think Arlo shot the man in the shadows knowing it was a cop in a hat thinking it was you? 
Well, because one of the things about Raylan is he had that kind of signature look. He did. He had the the white hat. He had the the gun on the hip. He had the the the, the duster many times. I was going to say the jacket that came to right above the knees, basically. It's a western, you know, spaghetti western kind of a look. Yeah. Maybe not literally, but it, culturally. Yes, and he pulls it off so well. Well, he the mannerisms he's got throughout the seasons, the way he holds his hands, the the gesturing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's very unique. It's not something you're going to see in just, you know, any other cop show or whatever. He does a nice reveal of the badge and the gun. Mm-hmm. And the the slow move the jacket out of the way of the gun of, oh, by the way, it's here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a body language to the character that's just fun to watch. And with, with Boyd, there's a similar uniqueness to the body language in a totally different way. Well, and Boyd also has this flamboyant, allegedly articulate way of speaking. Not so much articulate, but uh, showy. Well, I think it's meant to sound articulate to the uneducated listening, uh, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. It, it, it's, Raylan is something of a, an introvert-style body language. Mm. Boyd is the counter of that. Mm. He can be very over-the-top, gesture wildly be kind of doing the uh the 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 preaching you know flamboyant preaching and stuff like that and the the orations Mm -hmm. and that was part of what made those two such fun to watch for six seasons is Raylan didn't need to say much to say a lot Mm -hmm. and Boyd might say a lot to drive home a fairly simple point but very poetic, very flowery, very ornate. Boyd might use 50 words and not say a darn thing. He on said purpose. something. He may be artfully dodging the issue. Oh, yeah. But he had a, a way with words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with dynamite guns and many other things, too. Well, and, you know, uh, the short story that uh, the book I picked up, with the stories by Elmore Laird featuring Raylan, it's called Fire in the Hole. Which is one of the catchphrases for uh, for For Boyd Boyd. Yeah, and that was what I actually missed in this final season. There were just so many occasions where Boyd was lighting dynamite, throwing dynamite, making things go boom, and I as an audience member was calling out fire in the hole. Even if he had just said it under his breath as he lit the thing and threw it at the the, the marshals, Mm -hmm. you know, at the finale. Yeah. In season one, he would get ready to fire a rocket launcher and scream at the top of his lungs. I believe that was the way they introduced the character. He was there to, to cause a little ruckus or rob a bank or whatever. He winds up with a rocket launcher and and fires it into a church. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who who has no half measures. And in some ways they tone that down, in other ways they amp that up over the, the seasons. Mm-hmm. And what I liked is there was usually a pretty good arc to each season. And this last season it was, okay, Raylan's finally going to go catch Boyd. Mm-hmm. That's the focus. Because Boyd had been in and out of prison at that point. A few other things had changed. But it was... You can watch the series 
and see just a, a straight line progression of many things. A few things flip flop, a few things change quite a bit over the seasons. Well, and you know, normally when we sit down for these discussions, we mention who got who into the show. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ones where I watched it and I just got hooked on the characters. And I'd mention it to you and you go, Oh, okay, a cop show with gunfights. I'm not so sure. And then I went out of town at one point and I had left a season with you. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was at least a season or two in, and you were either one on one of the the road trips you do with one of your friends or something. I had some time, and I plowed through the entire first season and at least part of the second. It got to wherever it was current. Yeah, you caught up, and that's one of the things I really like about these shows that do 10 to 12 episode seasons, is they're a nice weekend show. A 13-episode season, you can definitely marathon in a day. Yeah. it's. It, I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, you want to pace yourself. You want to play in the bathroom break, <laughs> have some food, plenty of liquid to keep, keep hydrated. But it's something that, okay, 13 hours. Well, no, not really. It's 45 minutes a piece usually. So in three hours, you can watch four episodes. So inside of 10 hours, mm-hmm. you can go through a season pretty easily. Yeah. If and- it's a really good season. Well, and that's the thing with Justified, is I felt every season was solid. Some were better than others, but I enjoyed every season. I did too, but I think I enjoyed different things about different seasons. Yeah. Certainly, I thought the tone, the style, the way they set stuff up in the first season. Yeah. Just brilliant. Really good. There were a couple of seasons here and there where I thought Boyd was just really fun to watch on a really good path etc there were other times that i mean because raylan is based out of lexington he's part of the marshal service there you've got his boss art and you've got two other marshals it's interesting to me that the two other marshals were characters that they didn't feel i'm gonna say honor bound to have in every single episode no there were times those parts were important Certainly well played, but almost nothing parts. Yeah, and yet I can't imagine the show without those characters. Right. I mean, a lot of times it was Raylan and his boss art and how that happened. Mm-hmm. The other two, it's just somebody had to be in the office. Mm-hmm. They could have for a season or two just had those as rotating marshals. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't, mm-hmm. by the time we get to the, the fifth and sixth season, art's out of commission. Um, one of them. Uh, Rachel. Rachel. She's become the the head marshal for that mm-hmm. office. Uh, the other one, Tim. Tim. That's the thing is, I forget their names well, because they were so rarely referred to by name. Yeah. Well, Tim was a sharpshooter. I think fifth season, he had a really good arc. He did. He did. And you know, it was little things like for the longest time, I was only referring to Tim as the sharpshooter or yeah. the sniper, and he had the desk next to Raylan. And at the point at which they decided that Raylan's ex-wife had had their baby and is down in Florida with the baby, Tim had one of the funniest lines to me as someone who doesn't have kids, etc. Because Raylan didn't want to miss out on his kid growing up down in Florida. So he's got one of those nanny cam type things pointed at the crib 
And Tim leans over to ask, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And on the screen is my baby. And he's like, oh, good. I was afraid that was one of those random web babies. Yeah. You were just stalking some poor kid. Yes. <laughs> Tim always gave Raylan just a hard time. And part of it because they were friends, co-workers. Part of it because he thought Raylan just got away with all kinds of crap. Oh, yeah. There was a love-hate relationship there. Mm-hmm. But the two played well together. Well, and especially in this season, because they built that that love-hate relationship and that you get away with so much aspect to it. There was a scene where Tim knew, okay, this is what Raylan needs to do. So every time Raylan says, and then I'm going to do this, and Tim says, or you could, and he just tosses out what you're supposed to do. That was, Art uh, has you going back yes. to... to- to Lexington, or you could go back to Lexington. Or you could go back to Lexington. Kind of just a, <laughs> yes. I'm told to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this. I know you're not going to do it, but I'm telling you to do it nonetheless. Yes, Raylan finally comes up with, and in what version of this conversation do you stop saying? Yeah, when do you realize this is never going to happen? You know me, kind of a thing. And it was just such a fun conversation because it was real. Well, and I also loved this season, those two, when the bad guy who had a pizza parlor, they would go to that place. Just the the interaction between the two, it was not quite buddy cop type stuff, because mm-hmm. it's very deadpan, very dry, very sarcastic in many respects. But this is a show where, because they had excellent source material, they had an excellent author who, who did that, that was actively involved in the show. Mm-hmm. That so much of that permeated the show that the the number of characters that just were so identifiably again who they were Dewey Crow uh, was one for many seasons uh, Ava was uh, a love yeah. interest for both Ray, uh, Raylan and and Boyd Arlo in some shows Star Trek was a good example of this at one point you could take a line of dialogue and give it to almost any crew member. It's like, well, okay, Picard couldn't say that because they're talking to the captain, but anyone else, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shields down, or, you know, whatever the, the, the generic phrase of, of, yeah, something's going on. With Justified, you couldn't do that because the characters were in such unique life positions from each other. And even if you could, the same thought they would try to convey would come out so differently from each of them because they had such distinct voices, mm-hmm. such distinct ways of speaking, of thinking. Yeah. That, you know, somebody telling Raylan, no, I'm not going to do that, would come out fundamentally different if it was his father Arlo, Boyd, if it was Dewey Crow, mm-hmm. um, or some of the various others, Loretta. Yes. Who was... um. And that was something I loved about this season. Loretta came back. Limehouse came back. So many people came back in this season. They had established a very rich world in Harlan County, complete with when she started, she had to be, what, 13 or something. Uh, Loretta, who was uh, a girl, you know, selling weed or something. Well, her dad, she and her dad were growing weed and selling it for uh, Mags Bennett. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and her dad crossed Mags. I forget That's right. the exact house. Her dad how. crossed Mags. Mags was mm-hmm. kind of the boss hog of the town at the time. Yeah, and so Mags gave her dad some apple pie. Yeah, poisoned the dad, but then took Loretta under her wing. 
and kind of taught her a little bit and groomed her. And, and she kind of faded into the background for a little bit, a season or two. But then she came back. And first off, the actress did a phenomenal job with the character. Well, and I want to mention that at first, Loretta didn't fully understand what happened between Mags and her mother and her father, et cetera, et cetera. And Raylan was instrumental in Loretta's life and helping her as she went into foster care and all those things. He kept an eye out on her and stuff yeah. like that. And I mentioned that because in this final season, one of the people that Raylan had to go visit as he's trying to figure out what's going on down in Harlan County was the only surviving son of Mags Bennett, who's now in jail, and sold his land to they can't figure out who. And it's him who confesses, oh, some some company name wanted to give me a big amount of money for my land, so I took it. And when he tells Raylan who the company name is, he says, you mean you were so, so mad at, I forget if it was the Crows or the Crowders at that point. But anyways, you sold your land to Loretta, the last person you wanted to have have it. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that so many of these pieces from previous seasons were rolling back in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really, they, they tied stuff together nicely. Mm -hmm. And... You get to see, again, Loretta's a great example. A character starts at one point, stuff happens, they grow, they change, they evolve, but they're still who they were in some respects. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, oh, well, we need somebody to fill this slot. Let's take this character, retool them, and they'll be there. No, no. What I also liked is Raylan had looked after Loretta, had her best interest, tried to keep her safe, that kind of stuff, even though she was doing stuff she shouldn't have been doing. And then here in the finale... You know, there's a, a one of the classic Old West kind of gunfight moments. First one we'd really seen in a season or two like this. Yes. This um, this was a very high noon Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gunfight. Uh, the guns go, and then it's almost a, is there a, a, a rebound shot, if you will, in terms of, okay, take two, I'm going to shoot a second shot kind of a thing. And, and she prevents that. Yeah. She steps in. And it was... A good moment for her character, it was a good, uh, her asserting power over the person who had the gun, who who shot Raylan, and her looking after Raylan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then walks over, it's like, well, is he dead? Kind of a thing. Well, and there were so many times over Loretta's appearances in the show where she wasn't entirely sure she was happy having a U.S. Marshal looking out for her. Yeah. You know, and that was very clear. And there were a lot of times in this season where Raylan was backing her up and supporting her and helping her. And she was saying, you know, don't do that. And I don't need that. And yet there at the end, she had some of those looks that were almost the should I have called Raylan by now looks. Kind of the I'm glad he's here. Yeah. So when she stepped up there at the end for him, it was almost a step into adulthood. That she needed to take. Yeah. It was a, a turning point moment for her character uh, in many respects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she did that against Boone, who was uh, the gunslinger brought in by Avery Markham, who was kind of one of the big bads this season. Boone was a character that was so creepy and just I didn't care for him. Well, it was a, a, a creepy guy who had all the bad tendencies of an early Boyd Crowder, mm. none of the polish, yet thought he was the gunslinger Raylan was. Mm -hmm. 
And they got a lot of mileage out of him because he's the kind of character you like to dislike. Yeah. Versus Dewey Crow, who was just a complete moron and was fun to watch just get into mess after mess after mess because he was just stupid. He cracked me up. He was hilarious to watch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, these actors, they get to play these parts. They've taken some people who have done wonderful jobs on other shows as, you know, lawyers or doctors or whatever. And then, you know, here they are as, as, you know, hick, illiterate, oh my God, do they have any brains type characters. And just, it, it, it really has shown some of the versatility of some of these actors. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, they, they, they did a terrific job there. Um, one of them, um, from Flash, uh, Danielle Panabaker was one of the ones who was in the prison stuff with Ava for mm -hmm. either part of fifth season or maybe part of fourth. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. I'd already forgotten that, but yes. And she was really good there. I mean, they, the, the, the show covered a lot of ground. It was, again, six seasons of 13 episodes, so that's, what, 72 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yet, it covered, I think, a lot more storylines, plot lines, characters, situations. You know, you've got a lot of stuff happening in prison. You've got a lot of, you know, how's the, the, the drug business going with different various people at times. Well, and it was interesting to me because it seemed like from the very start, um, Oxycontin and weed were kind yeah. of the drugs of choice. Occasionally heroin would get mentioned, but then it was kind of a, you know, that's kind of one of those hard drugs. Yeah, that, that's not working for them. Let's go back to what we know kind yeah. of. Yeah, but there at the end of uh, season six, they were talking about land speculation and buying land to grow weed on when it became legal. Mm-hmm but relying on the people who'd been growing it illegally for generations to know what grew best where. Right. And I thought that was just such a funny combination of different batches of knowledge, if you will. Well, it's an interesting twist on the whole legalization aspect. Yeah. And if, if there are people who are making their money on it and you could make it legal, I'm not saying, again, whether I'm for it or against it, whatever, it's just... It was interesting uh, story material for them. Yeah, I I would never have thought of marijuana and land speculation in the same sentence. Yeah. So seeing that put together, it was just something new to me. Now, when did Win Duffy get introduced? See, and I was wondering that. Um, he's listed. I'm well, he, second season. He was played by Jerry Burns. Yes, who did a fantastic job with the character. He did. He he was at first the assistant or second lieutenant, you know, the lieutenant guy, the second guy, to um, uh, some guy who'd come in from the Dixie Mafia or something like that mm -hmm. as the big bad. Uh, for, again, they're going to do the Oxycontin or whatever the drug was that season. He was as far back as season one. Okay, I guess they introduced him first season. I thought, um, who was the one... Who was the other actor I'm thinking of? The the big name one that he reported to at first. I will see if I can figure that out. Um, while I'm trying to figure that out, though, I do want to mention... the guy who played uh, Lieutenant Hawk or whatever in um, one of the Star Trek Next Gen movies. I think the one with the, the Borg or Resurrection or whatever. You have gone beyond um, my knowledge. Anyways, they've had so many actors in the show over the years. Um, well, and that's why I was going to say Natalie Zia. Natalie Zia. As um, Winona. 
Yeah, the Raylan's on again, off again wife. Yeah, she's just done an amazing job. Well, and the characters get a lot to work with. Some of them go away for a bit. Some of them come back. But Win Duffy was one that, again, went through most of the seasons, if not all of them, apparently. And he had his signature, you know, motorhome where the meetings would be had. He had his bodyguard, Mikey. Um, and there was a, a fun aspect to that character because after the second or third time he's interacted with Raylan, and then, you know, he's meeting with somebody and Raylan comes in, you're like, you're going to do this or I'm going to shoot you. He's like, yeah, that's that's something they do around here kind of a thing. He just is kind of amazed by the brazenness at times of of, way, uh, of of Raylan. Yes. The way he just will go in, take control of a situation, just matter-of-factly, you're going to do this or I'm going to do that kind of situation. And never bluffing. Well, and that's the power of Raylan, the not bluffing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not seeing who Win Duffy uh, reported to at first because, of course, I'm on IMDb. So it just gives, you know, which actors were which episodes. Um, Give me your tablet. I will hand over the tablet. And I'll put my glasses on so I can actually um, see. Yeah. Because we went through a few different mafias or bad guys. We had the, the Dixie Mafia, the ones that came down from Detroit. Yeah. And that was the thing. I was thinking when Duffy was around the Detroit Mafia time, but he seems to be further back than that. Some of these guys are just survivors. Yeah, well, and Win Duffy was definitely one of those. Yeah. He had various people he worked with and reported to over the years. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling up the full cast list. Uh, Alicia Witt was one of the crows that came in because they had the uh, Florida crows come down. She was the one who hadn't made it to be a full-fledged lawyer yet, as I recall, but yeah. was a paralegal. And, oh, she would amuse me endlessly as she started trying to pull some legalese out against Raylan. And, yeah, she and uh, Raylan both were from very different angles trying to protect the youngest crow. Mm-hmm. And that made Neil McDonough uh, is the one I was thinking. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, he was there for a season. They had Sam Elliott. Uh, this season, Mary Steenberger, uh, or Bergen, um, who else? Um, well, and Marco Martindale got, as I recall, an Emmy. She got an award for Mags. Yeah, they've just had some brilliant performances on here. Yeah. Um, David Andrews, who's done some, some various genre shows. Jeff Fahey, uh, Patton Oswald. He played, um, Bob, Bob who was one of the local constables, sheriffs, something. Who had Raylan's back. Always. And he was ready for the big time. At least he thought he was. Mm-hmm. And Raylan, I don't want to say took advantage of him, but used him and he could trust him. Yes. Yes. And, and knew, you know, Bob's heart was in the right place and whatnot, but. Well, and the thing about Raylan was that he was the go-to guy for Harlan because he grew up in Harlan. He knew the Crowder family versus the Crow family. He knew which families got along, which families feuded, etc. Yeah, he was referred to as the, uh, was it the Hick Whisperer at one yes. point? Yes, yes. He, he, he was from the area. He, I mean, he and uh, Boyd had kind of grown up together, uh, same with Ava. Uh, Boyd and Raylan dug coal together. There was that history there. 
So Raylan was the perfect person to go in. He knew kind of the lay of the land, knew who to go talk to, who not to go talk to, or how to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And there were others that would try to to come to town. It's just they didn't they didn't talk the talk, walk the walk. They were foreigners in a strange land kind of situation. Well, and they had no clue what was up the mountain, where the mountain even was at times. Well, the the season we got um, in the holler with um, Limehouse, Limehouse. Uh, it's basically there are some people who've just been living kind of more off the grid or whatever, and you go up there, it's it's their land. They're kind of the law there, if you will. Not literally, but mm-hmm. de facto. And again, that's one where each season they they explored more and more and more of Harlan County. Um that it was just uh, uh there's a lot of, of of ground they covered, a lot of, of world building they did. Mm-hmm. And in a, a Essentially a police procedural show. I don't really expect that. Yeah. Well, and they didn't take for granted that you knew things. No. And I appreciated that. They were, they kept it accessible. They reminded you of who characters were, uh, why they mattered, how they got where they got. Just the degree to which, I will say, they didn't take for granted that you knew things, etc., is when we sat down to watch this series finale... I made the remark, I wonder who, if anyone, will survive, because you just don't know if you'll get out of Harlan alive. Mm-hmm. And you asked me where the line was coming from, and I said, I've heard the full version of the theme song, and the line is in there. Well, when the opening credits came on, you're like, I don't hear that line. <laughs> but later, during a driving scene with Ava and Raylan in the car, they played that part of the song. And it's funny because it's one of the few times they did that kind of a musical deal. Yes. And it, it fit. It made sense. But they've also done the drive from Harlan to Lexington thousands of times, it feels like. I don't know how far those are, but they're hour at least of driving. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not just a up and down, up and back kind of, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's far enough away that they had been using uh, what had been Arlo's house as a field office in Harlan. Yeah. Staging area. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to stay the night? Or are you going to come back? Sort of situations. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the fun of the show. Is it gave Raylan? You know, he was out of arm's reach. He gave him a little more leeway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Arlo's house was a great location in terms of all the things that happened there, the little family graveyard, and just it boggles my mind to realize how much they did out at Arlo's house. Because they introduced that one second season, I think. We didn't really see Arlo till second. No, and they had the house through the, the final season. Yeah, but we saw um, the aunt who seemed to have married Arlo as the second you're right, wife. You're right. So they may have had it first season. Yeah, that's why I was trying to remember. Because that, that kind of stumped me at first. Well, Arlo's house, Ava's house... Uh, there were a couple of kind of signature places. Yeah, and that was one of the things that always amused me. Ava's house, I felt I knew really well. I was never really sure where Boyd lived. <laughs> yeah, Ava's house, I think. Yeah, I mean... Except when, when Raylan did. And then there was the bar Raylan uh, lived over for a bit. I mean, they had mm-hmm. a lot of different places. Raylan had the the hotel room. Yeah. First season, because he was just there overnight. A lot. The bar he lived over at one point, Arlo's house, I think he may have had 
two or three other places. The room above the bar was hilarious because the uh, barkeeper gave it to him, basically, as a, just just wear your badge when you're drinking. Having a, a U.S. Marshal on premises keeps the ruckus down. Yes. Particularly that U.S. Marshal. Yes. Because, he-, <laughs> he again, he had that knack of going in and either defusing or escalating a situation, depending which needed. Yes. Yes. Um, he was, again, the quintessential, I don't say tough guy, mm-hmm. but that classic sheriff cowboy kind of a thing. And this, the, the show has a little bit of a gore factor. It does. A couple of times, you you know, how they get shot or how they get maimed, whatever. I was going to say, Gerald McRaney comes to mind. Yeah. Um, there was some stuff that is just, ooh, I, I can't watch what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, but the show was so... Well written, well cast, well acted, and just well done. Mm-hmm. That am I going to stick with the show? That thought never questioned crossed my mind. Well, and you know, as much as I'm not a big fan of shows where characters run out of bullets, up until recently, most episodes I came out of feeling like more often than not, people were injured, not killed. And maybe that was just my perception. Because, I mean, I know down in Mexico a lot of people died, including Cousin Johnny. I was sorry to see Cousin Johnny finally go. Yeah, he'd gotten shot a couple of times. Yeah. There were a few that seemed like they should have died a few times. That's true. That's true. There was one guy who I'm pretty sure the only reason he died was so he could go beyond Unforgettable. Oh, that um. He was one of Boyd's guys. He was one of Boyd's guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the one you're talking about. He was in the first season of Unforgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was really sorry that uh, he didn't last over on Unforgettable. Well, and again, totally different, you know, he well-educated guy over there. He's complete hicker or whatever in, in, in Justified. Um, His voice was the only thing I recognized on Unforgettable, and it's why I'm grateful IMDb exists. That's funny because I the characters always have such distinctive accents, speech styles, and stuff on, on uh, Justified that you can recognize kind of the nature of the voice, if not the... the yeah. Well, the, and one of the Justified actors, as I recall, is an Australian. Don't ask me who. I forget who. It was. It may have been a Dewey or someone like that. It was one like of the that. other crows. I think it might... One of the crows was on Lost. Hmm. Uh, again, they've had so many actors and stuff... Uh, come in, do a really good thing for a bit, and then just move on. And that's, again, part of how they got such a, a big world going here in Harlan. And if you're wondering if you should watch the show, if you've got Netflix or some other way to watch the first episode, do so. The way this entire thing starts, Raylan is in Florida. He's walking at, a, I think, a, a rooftop restaurant to a guy sits down next uh, across from him and the guy's like you know hey, I'm, I'm eating here it's like i told you or i'm telling you you've got until six o'clock tomorrow to get out of town or i'm gonna come and i'm gonna shoot you and the thing about raylan is he doesn't care if he keeps his job or not he cares if he does his job or not yes and it was one of those you can't threaten somebody like that cut to next day six o'clock I told you, you had, you know, until now to to get out. Guy goes for his gun. He shoots him. You know, it's like, and then he's getting thrown out and down to Harlan. He gets sent. Mm -hmm. Kind of punishment. Mm -hmm. But 
the the scene plays out with a bunch of style, a bunch of of uh, again modern take on an old western. Yeah, that it so sets itself up. Uh, the way when he meets uh, up with Art at the airport, uh, you tell your dad you're back. No, not going to do that. Just instantly, oh, there's something there with that relationship. Mm-hmm. There's an economy in a lot of the writing at times, and there's also other places where there's not that economy, and you don't want it because it's let's just soak in the ambiance, the the style, the flavor, the 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 nature of the show. Yeah. And particularly the first couple of seasons, some of the action sequences were outrageous. Um, See, one of the things I really loved early on was when Boyd was preaching. The entertainment value. When Boyd gets on a roll. Yeah. uh, And again, Walter Goggins, the uh, actor who played him, phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and one of the commercials they did for season six was when uh, Raylan went out to where... Boyd had his church, which was a campsite, oh, really. Yeah. And he spoke, you know, to Boyd for a second. And then he asked if he could pray with everyone before they had their meal. And the prayer he offered was just, I was ready to roll on the floor laughing out loud. Yeah, he was essentially during his prayer warning these people of the kind of person Boyd is, how he'll turn them in if he needs to, mm-hmm. he'll do this, how mm-hmm. he's done this other sinning, how he was... He looks at a black man, as he says. I hope he's over his white supremacist ways. Yes, yes. Yes. Just as, as Raylan is doing this, this quote-unquote prayer, you periodically see part of Boyd's flock looking up like, hey, wait a sec, what did he just say? Yeah, really? Yes. He even manages to work into his prayer the $50,000 reward for any yes. information on the capture of Boyd Crowder. What I loved about it, not only was that just a great scene at the time with everyone's reactions, Boyd's included, but at the end of the, the, the series here, we get to where Boyd has gone back to preaching and Raylan basically, you know, you're repeating yourself. Yes. Yes. You know, that final scene of the two of them at the jail, I, part of me wonders, was that the last thing they filmed? I hope so. Me too. It gave those two a sense of closure. The, you know, why are you here? Mm. We dug coal together. Really kind of, these guys are brothers in some very real sense. You know, and throughout the series that we dug coal together was something they came back to periodically of, if you've ever been a hundred feet under solid earth with another man by your side, Digging coal together with no glimpse it's of sunlight. Dangerous. It's lonely. It's you know. It's it's gr- brutal. Uh, the way yeah. they portrayed it. Um, you know these these are people you bond with because you dug coal together. Even if there are people that in the light of day in normal daily life wouldn't have been your buddy. When it comes yeah. right down to it, you dug coal together. I would like to see Timothy Oliphant and and. Well, Walter Goggins do something else together. Yeah. Because those two had great on-screen chemistry. They did. They are both very strong actors. And I don't know what I would like to see them in. Some kind of action-adventure movie. I Um, can't wait to see what each of them does next. I mean, I've seen Timothy Oliphant in a number of movies I've greatly enjoyed mm -hmm. and stuff. And I just... I can't wait to see what draws each of them next. 
Yeah, I mean, they've they've just got, they did such a great job on this. Now, what's funny is we talked about uh, Veronica Mars at mm. one point, another show that we just loved. And at one point, there was uh, going to be uh, potentially a fourth season of that. And there was about a 10-minute thing shot of this is what the fourth season would be. Mm-hmm. Veronica has, has gotten out of college. She's in the FBI. Why do I mention this? Turns out the guy who played the lead FBI agent she was working under, Walter Goggins, who played Boyd Crowder, the two characters couldn't have been more diametrically opposed. Yeah. But, I mean, the guy has, has range. He has charisma. Both of them have charisma. Yes. Um, you know, this show would not have worked if you didn't have somebody as Boyd Crowder that could just chew up the scenery the way he did. And somebody playing Raylan who could be more the quiet, strong, listen to every word he says because he doesn't say that many types. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Joelle Carter, who played Ava, she she managed to play off both of these two strong male mm-hmm. actors very well. She was strong when she needed to be. She was coming across as as the weak frightened caught you know rock in a hard place type mm-hmm. the, the the tortured person the how do i get out of this the mm-hmm. the desperation i mean she had such a a range of emotions and situations to play over the years mm-hmm. um well and really in some ways she came a long way from the pilot where she killed her first husband mm-hmm. who was an abusive brother of Boyd, you know, she came so far from what drove her to that point originally, and yet in other ways... She came full circle in many respects. Yeah. Yeah. They had early on showed who each of these characters were, Mm -hmm. and they stuck to that while letting the characters grow and evolve, but never fundamentally changing at their core. And that's a, a tough thing to do. How do you let somebody mature and learn and grow without seeming like they've again veered too far from what they were yet not say well geez they're just the same person they're never changing it's yeah. it's there's an art form there yeah and witness they had some really good uh resources to draw on yes and i think uh timothy oliphant was certainly an executive producer he was very invested in the show uh just at a I don't know necessarily financially, but emotionally, it seemed like. Um, I assume uh, Walter Goggins was similarly because when when Elmore Leonard died, they had some great commercials just paying tribute to the guy. Yeah, and the movies he'd written, all the stuff he'd done, and you know, there were a couple of places where Walter Goggins was like, well, "Let me read you a little bit," and just great reading of some of his work. Yes, and it's like this is the material we get to to work with. I mean, they. I think they knew they had something that was just more than the run-of-the-mill TV show. You know, he's not listed as a producer on this. Walt he may Goggins. not have been, but I think he was active. I got the sense he was active in the story conferences in some sense. Yeah, well, in all of the actors, when the author, Elmore Leonard, died, they all did that little video mm-hmm. tribute, which stacked up, was about five minutes, it seemed like. And it was clear that they all recognized... This was an author who made great characters. And when an actor is handed a great character, they've got this amazing foundation for their work. Mm-hmm. 
and it makes it easier for them to step into the role if that foundation is there. And they appreciated having that foundation that the author had given them. Well, again, Raylan, Boyd, Ava, these were characters that had a clear aspect to them, a clear perimeter around them, what mm-hmm. they can do, what they won't do, what, why. Well, and I would say art. The uh, Oh, absolutely. Raylan's boss. Raylan's boss art, totally. How much leeway would, yeah. would he give uh, Raylan? Why? When would he not? Mm-hmm. How did he balance all of that? You know, how frustrated could he be? I mean, there's certain things. There's a, a very clear, this is what will work, what won't work. This is the line I'll let you walk right up to. This is the line I'll not notice you crossing. But if you go right here, you're in the doghouse, young man. And again, it gave uh, Nick Searcy, that actor, something he could literally just step into because it was a reasonable, definable, realistic-ish kind of a, this this makes sense for a character. Yeah. And when you've got characters that are that crystallized, gelled that much, you could probably have given these actors and said, okay, here's the pitch for the scene. You kind of know how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. And whether they're ad-libbers or, or improvisational or not, you could almost give them, here's the sense, Raylan's in the doghouse, here's why, we just gotta shoot it, go. And they probably could have done a fantastic job with that. Well, especially if they were at the bar Boyd owned Ava's house. You know, there were a few locations. If you were in the right location, had the right kind of, okay, this is just the way these characters are. Yeah. I'm not going to say you'd get one shot, boom, it's done. But they would be able to be those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, there are a lot of shows where you take almost, really, uh, comparing it to a standard police procedural, any one of them, you put the standard cop, their boss, whatever, in a room, hey, he's in trouble. Nothing really comes to mind as, as this is what would have to go on. Well, there's been at least one interview with at least one actress who said, you know, when people ask me about my character and why did she behave this way here and this way there, did the char- did the writers think she was schizophrenic? She said, I'm almost tempted to say yes. Yeah. You know, and you feel sorry for an actress who is in the situation of not having that solid foundation and those defined boundaries of your character will do and behave in certain ways. Well, it's defined boundaries and an inherent freedom. Yes. There are certain ways Raylan will act, certain ways Boyd will act. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and the fact those actors just nailed those parts, became those parts, they had the freedom to really either experiment if they wanted to. And I don't know what happened behind the scenes in the show, but yeah. they could just run with the stuff. Yeah. Because, again, everybody was very talented there, and there's a certain way that you know how Boyd needs to be, when he needs to be flamboyant, when he needs to be very quiet and controlled, you know? And there's a cadence and a rhythm to these these characters that, again, it was uh, just a phenomenal show. There were some some weak points here and there. There are a couple things, you know. I had hoped to come out of the finale thinking, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that was a really good finale. I didn't have quite that wow. I was surprised by a time jump in it. The time jump, one of the wardrobe changes. 
Raylan's hat. Oh, I I was disappointed in Raylan's hat. Didn't work for me. No. I I had so and you know, Raylan's hat. One of those scenes that just stays with you and I want to say it was Dewey Crow. Um he walked in to in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. He walks into a store and says, I need to buy a ski mask. Well, you know, Dewey's not the brightest bulb and store owner looks at him and says, I'm not gonna sell someone who looks like an obvious criminal a ski mask in the summer yeah. in Kentucky. How dumb do you think I am? 100 degrees out, you want a ski mask. What are you up to? Mm-hmm. So Dewey looks over and sees a hat that looks just like Raylan's and says, oh, good point. I'll take that one. Because everybody in Harlan knows the guy who goes around wearing that white hat is the law. Yeah. And I, to this day, I laugh when I think of that scene because it may be the only smart thing Dewey ever tried. True. True, probably was. What would have been funny, though, is after Rillen's hat got shot, if Tim had given him, like, a baseball cap. It's like, I know you like a hat. Here's this. Yes, yes. You know, and then he gets another hat from his, his daughter. You know, something, you know. Um, yeah. Because the hat, yeah, I, the hat at the end didn't work for me. How he got it, why he got it, yeah. But really, having the hat, having the... the iconic western look gave the character a unique silhouette a, a unique feel again it, on the one hand there are aspects of this show that are very much like almost any other serialized police procedural yet at its core and even at its surface it is so fundamentally different mm-hmm. than every other one yeah uh to to just be fascinating yeah um great show i'm um glad they ended it on a good clean ending note it was a satisfying ending it was a good ending it was not the gosh wow that was amazing action or you know what I mean? it wasn't explosive which because of the line in the song you know you won't get out of harlan alive i expected somebody that we had been with all these seasons to die i i half expected everybody we'd been with all these seasons to yeah. practically die I mean, there were some scenes in early seasons that just, the, the gunplay was amazing, the, the fight scenes were amazing, the action was amazing, and this had good stuff. Now, I will say, going back to that gunfight with Boone that was very high noonish, boy, they even caught a puff of blood when um, Raylan got shot. What I loved about that scene, the guys had just gotten out of their cars that are facing each other, and we're looking at at Raylan. Now, Raylan did tell Ava to duck. I thought he said stay here. Well, he said stay here and get down. Because, yeah, she goes down below the dash. We then cut to Boone, the wannabe gunslinger. Uh, Loretta is in her car, and she's realizing what's going to happen. She goes down. Yes, yes. It was the point in which Loretta decided to get down that I'm like, these girls are both finally realizing what's about to happen. Well, the minute Markham had both of those two in the room, I'm like, dude, you're dead. These That's dangerous company to keep. Mm-hmm. If there are two people, Raylan will kill people over. That was two of them. Yes. Yes. Um, But there was a look Loretta had before she goes down of, this is Raylan and he's going to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Boone's going to die. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure I don't get shot in the process. Mm-hmm. 
See, and that is a sign of Loretta's intelligence. She does not get behind Raylan's target. Ava, on the other hand, sees Raylan aiming at Boyd and just walks and moseys right behind Boyd. It also says something about uh, Loretta, how when she got out of the truck, once she heard the gunshots, she didn't need to wait to see what happened. Mm -hmm. It's like, these guys aren't going to miss. Yeah. You know, it was, again, it was a classic high noon showdown. It was well shot, well done, but they've had some others. Again, it was not the best action sequence they've ever done. I didn't expect it to be. They also had a lot of story to cover. But the car bit right before the gunfight was quite nice. Yeah. And they've had some some good fight scenes, some some good action moments all season, all, all series. Well, and I will say that while they didn't kill off everybody we've been watching all these seasons, which I have expected and feared, a lot of the second tier characters <laughs> paid the price for the first tier characters coming yes. out alive. Yes. Yeah, a lot of them uh, didn't fare so well. You know. But I go back to, and I think it was third season, Raylan was just kind of out of sorts, had like pulled somebody over, and they just had a slugfest. He's getting the tar beat out of him, but he's not going down. I mean, those were some of the action sequences we'd gotten in previous seasons. It was just phenomenal. Yeah. And again, the, the show never missed a beat. It had some points that were comparative low points. It was never bad. Yeah. You know, there were a few that were gorier, a few things I didn't care for, but none of it is like, geez, they just mailed it in. Never. It was always well done. Yeah. So definitely show that I, I highly recommend. Again, as we record this, they've just wrapped the series. So I don't know when the final one will be on either Netflix or DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. But it is well worth checking out. Six seasons, 13 episodes. Yeah, it would take a little bit of time to go through. It's worth the time. If you've got a couple of free Saturdays or whatever, mm. and you could do a, a season a weekend or something, yeah, great way to watch it. Well, and that's the thing, because they do the season-long arcs, I definitely recommend planning to watch a season. You know what I mean? Set aside time and know I'm going to make it through all 13 episodes. Don't think I'm going to watch six episodes in this week, and I may not get to the other six or seven for a month. I'll watch an episode or two tonight, and then I'll get back to it in a couple of days. You're going to hit that and say, oh, wow, I want to know what happens next. Yeah. For me, at least, it was very engrossing. It was very easy to marathon. Yeah. It just keeps pulling you right along that ride, and you just keep wanting to see what comes next. And some of it is you just want to know what antics they're going to get up to next. Yeah. Yeah. What are these crazy people going to go do next? Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, fun show, uh, well worth uh, well worth watching. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.